Hometown Ghost Stories contains serious and often distressing events and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. What's going on, everybody? Tonight, I'm going to be introducing our brand new bonus content series called Dark Mysteries. Tonight, we're going to head over to Southend, England in the 1980s, and we're going to ask the question, was there a werewolf roaming the streets attacking people? The answer is, yeah, sort of, there was. Ramsey was just an ordinary kid from Southend, England for most of the first decade of his life. He had an ordinary childhood where he lived with his parents in Southend, England. But one Saturday afternoon, while he was playing out in the backyard, he was suddenly struck by an overwhelming, inexplicable chill. He became nauseous as a foul odor swept over him, and perspiration froze on his skin. He felt as if his next motions were out of his control. He grabbed hold of a fence post with both hands and tore it from the ground, cement footing and all. He began swinging it around as his parents noticed his erratic behavior and began to approach. He was growling, and his parents stopped approaching when Bill lunged forward and bit down on the wire, grinding it between his teeth. His parents retreated back to the house and watched out the window for a while until Bill calmed down a bit. His mother cautiously approached him while his father dragged the heavy post back to the hole and wondered how his nine-year-old had been able to swing it around his head while he himself could barely lift it off the ground. Bill's parents decided not to speak of the incident and nothing similar happened for about 15 years. By the time Bill was in his mid-twenties, he married and had a few kids of his own. Nothing out of the ordinary had happened since that peculiar outburst from his childhood. Nothing except a reoccurring nightmare where he would be walking behind his wife. When she turned around to face him, she would scream and run away in terror. One night, he awoke from the sound of an animal growling from somewhere in the room. But once he was awake, realized the sound was coming from deep within his own throat. Another 15 years had come and gone without any real issue. One night in 1983, Bill went out to a local pub with a couple of his friends from work. After a few drinks, Bill began to feel similar senses to the ones he felt that one day in 1952. He left to go to the bathroom in an attempt to shake it off, but as he stood at the sink, he watched his reflection in the mirror begin to morph into a face with wolf-like features. Panicked, Bill went back to the table and told his friends he wasn't feeling well and had to leave. They all piled into the car and headed home. During the trip, Bill was in the back seat with his friend Jeremy Reich. Scott Percival was driving, since he hadn't had as much to drink as the other two. After a short while, Scott heard an animalistic growling coming from the back seat. He looked in the rearview mirror and saw Bill baring his teeth, glaring at Jeremy with a look of hatred on his face. Out of nowhere, Bill lunged at Jeremy, attempting to bite his leg. Jeremy tried to fend him off but he had an unnatural strength that Jeremy hadn't expected. Scott pulled the car over and went around to the back to break up the scuffle. It took both men to restrain Bill, who eventually came to his senses. Jeremy and Scott later commented on the incident, both remarking on Bill's freakish, wolf-like appearance with his gnarling teeth and his hands curved into claw-like shapes. Bill had no recollection of the incident. 
Later that year, Bill began experiencing sharp chest pains, accompanied by cold sweats. Fearing a heart issue, he checked himself into the emergency room at a nearby hospital to be checked out. While a nurse was examining him, he once again began to feel those all-too-familiar feelings taking over. Suddenly, he had her on the ground, clawing at her, growling and snapping his teeth, even sinking them into her arm at one point before ferociously roaring and throwing furniture around the room. Police arrived, and although it took several of them assisted by the hospital staff, eventually were able to sedate Bill, who would later find himself sitting in Runwell Mental Hospital. Doctors advised him to check in to be evaluated, but Bill declined, worried about his reputation. A month later, in 1984, Bill began to feel a familiar rage bubbling up inside of him. Realizing the signs of what was about to happen, he drove himself to the hospital and ended up in the same emergency room as last time. However, by the time he made it into the lobby, the wolf-like ferocity had already consumed him. A nurse told him to wait while she went to get a doctor, but you can imagine how that went. Before she had a chance to turn around, he had savagely thrown her to the ground before attacking an orderly, strangling him, and trying to bite him. Police arrived, and four officers surrounded Bill, hesitant to approach due to his alarming appearance and behavior. It took all four of them, using all of their strength to subdue him and get him in handcuffs. One officer suffered an injury so bad he was hospitalized for four days. Bill again was brought to a mental hospital and interrogated by authorities, but had no recollection of the event. It was again recommended he check himself in, but again Bill declined, this time with a warning from police that next time there wouldn't be a next time. On the evening of July 22, 1987, Bill met some friends for drinks at a local pub. After a few drinks, he decided to call it a night and got into his car to drive home. He decided to take back roads as to not attract authorities since he had been drinking. The route took him through the red light district where he noticed a young sex worker. He picked her up and began driving. She introduced herself as Lauren and asked where they were headed. Bill said nothing and continued driving towards the police station. Lauren became irate as he pulled into the police station parking lot and she stormed out of the vehicle. Bill had planned to place her under citizen's arrest, later claiming that she looked too young to be doing what she was doing, but Lauren got into the building first and made a complaint about Bill. Officer Brad Busby, a 25-year police veteran, exited the police station and began to approach Bill, who was sitting in his van, clutching the steering wheel, growling. As Officer Busby drew closer to the van, Bill jumped out and ran hunched over to the other side of the parking lot. Officer Busby had chased him to the corner of the lot where a tall chain-link fence ended the pursuit. He was a lot bigger than Bill, and despite his ferocious behavior, Busby was sure he could handle the smaller man. He was wrong. Bill flung the large cop onto the ground as if he were weightless. He pounced on him and began strangling him. No matter how hard Officer Busby struggled, he couldn't free himself from Bill's superhuman clutch. Just as he was about to lose consciousness, several other cops ran out and attempted to pull Bill off Busby. They were successful, but not without an immense struggle. They were able to pin him down just long enough to get the cuffs over his wrists. As the rage began to wane, Bill began to realize the severity of the situation and knew exactly where he was headed. Bill was back at the mental hospital, and this time he was held against his will. A slew of tests were run on him, including x-rays, MRIs, and various other psychiatric tests, but no discernible cause for the outbursts could be identified. 
After 10 days of observation and no sign of anything wrong with him physically or mentally, they had no choice but to release him. The incident at the police station propelled Bill Ramsey's case into international headlines, and people all over Western Europe were gossiping about the self-end werewolf. The headlines caught the attention of world-renowned paranormal investigators and demonologists Ed and Lorraine Warren. The duo had happened to be in England at the time, investigating another case, and initially wrote off the werewolf case as a likely hoax. But as the case continued to grow in popularity, or rather infamy, the duo decided to check in and offer their help. After an initial interview, Ed was able to offer a possible answer to the questions nobody else seemed to be able to figure out. Ed believed Bill was possessed by the spirit of a wolf, and was certain an exorcism would solve the problem. Ed and Lorraine invited Bill and his wife back to Connecticut where they lived and could coordinate an exorcism by Bishop Robert McKenna under the supervision of Ed and his team. After discussing it with his wife, Bill agreed to make the trip. In the days before the exorcism, Bill had another violent episode. This time, it was in he and his wife's hotel room. Bill had tried to choke her in her sleep. She woke up and was able to talk him out of his trance. When he woke the next morning, he had no recollection but noticed some furniture had been overturned and there were red marks on his wife's neck. He felt awful and apologized profusely, but she just shushed him and reminded him they had a glimmer of hope in the Warrens. When the time for the exorcism finally came, Bill and his wife were joined by Bishop McKenna, the Warrens, paranormal investigator John Zaffis, staff from a magazine who funded the Ramsey's trip in exchange for exclusive rights to the story, and a handful of police officers. As Bishop McKenna began the ritual, Bill was initially skeptical and unimpressed, but that changed when the bishop demanded the demon identify itself. His demeanor abruptly changed, and he began growling and snarling, hands curled into claws and face contorted. Lorraine Warren and Bishop McKenna later claimed that some of Bill's physical features changed, ears appearing more pointed, face more feral, and hands more claw-like. In the middle of one of the bishop's sentences, Bill lunged at him, trying to maul him. The bishop stumbled back and pulled out a crucifix, which he pointed at Bill. This seemed to infuriate the demon, and Bill again lunged at him, swinging his hands like a paw. The bishop again stepped back and ordered an approaching police officer to stand down. Just as Bill was about to pounce again, he suddenly stepped back and slumped into his chair. Bill later claimed that, quote, The poison that had been in my body drained from me completely. I was left without any strength at all. When I turned to look at my wife, that small movement caused me to black out. I gripped the chair as tightly as I could and let the demon continue to be pushed away by Bishop McKenna's Latin words. The Warrens declared the exorcism successful and later wrote a book about the incident titled Werewolf, a true story of demonic possession. Bill traveled back to South End and never experienced another episode again. So what do you think? Was he really a werewolf? Was he possessed by a demonic wolf spirit? Or was he suffering from a mental condition known as clinical lycanthropy? Join myself, Jesse, and Rob as we discuss the South End Werewolf on this first episode of Hometown Ghost Stories, Dark Mysteries.
What's going on, everybody? Welcome into Hometown Ghost Stories, first ever edition of Dark Mysteries. So along with cursed possessions and celebrity hauntings, we decided to add dark mysteries into the mix as more of an all-encompassing category so we can talk about some things that just don't fit into any other more of the specific categories. Cryptids, legends, um, who knows? But tonight stuff stuff that we've had like requested that just never really fit into any of the things that we were doing. So it works real well that you know we can do the dark mystery series and uh and start including some of these things. Exactly. And this was Rob's idea. That was Rob you just heard. I'd like to welcome Rob. Welcome in. I don't think this was my idea, was it? Dark, yeah, it was because you wanted to cover something specific and you tossed out the idea. And I was like, I like it because I have like three or four things that I wanted to cover, but it just doesn't really fit into like, you know, what we do. This actually probably would have, you know, it's the demonic possession that happened in mm-hmm. South End, England. But I don't know. It's a werewolf. So it seems like just, more of a dark mystery. I just forget how smart I am sometimes and how many good ideas I have. So, yeah, you know, it happens. Yeah. Exactly. Jesse yeah, yeah. is here with us. You ever try exporting your uh, video in, in mono instead of stereo? That's one of your great ideas. <laughs> Chat's going to, everyone's going to understand that joke. <laughs> so, anyways. I think most people do know the difference between mono and stereo. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Yeah, I don't I know. So. Maybe not. Who knows? Uh, but this was a weird story. It's a dark that, mystery. If they know it what it is. <laughs> We're full of dark mysteries today. What is Jesse talking about? Why is he mentioning that? Why is Dave entering the show? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Because we gave him one. Did you write that? It sounded like you wrote that. Yeah. We wrote yeah. down. He had notes. I had some it's notes. Good. Yeah, the spotlight's on you. It's tough. You know, this is my cross to bear. Well, I hadn't planned on entering the show, but you're I was muted. I was actually you know what's funny is I was pointing at you because I was like, Dave, why don't you enter this one? And you did. Mm. You did a great job. I'm proud of you. Thanks. Except that clearly you were prepared. Yeah. Because you wrote it down. <laughs> no, it didn't sound that just, your eyes weren't on the screen, so I, I thought you were just reading. Gotcha. Anyways. Gotcha. I was not. It was a good job, that. and this is an awesome story. This is an it's awesome insane. Story. It covers so many things that we like. Mm-hmm. Like demonic possessions are exciting, not for those involved. Well, actually, probably for those involved. But um, I would assume it's not boring. Yeah, I, can, I guess. I mean, not good. I mean, obviously, you don't want to be in that position. But this has got to be the opposite of boring, which would be Although, exciting. Right? One funny detail was funny. when when the actual exorcism was going down. Bill was initially like unimpressed and bored, and he was just because he, he, he quoted, he's like it felt like I was just at church and the preacher was just preaching a sermon. And he's like, I was disappointed because he thought it was going to be some like spectacle, right? Going to be some big exorcism. Yeah. So we seen the movies. Yeah. So uh, there's kind of a lot to unpack here. This is a pretty, pretty action packed case and a lot of crazy things. You had witness testimony of people saying that they, they thought he was, a wolf or a dog there was one of the um times that he was in the emergency room right and there was an officer who was in the cafeteria which was adjacent to the emergency room and he was just talking with one of the nurses and he was sitting down eating in the cafeteria and they heard the two of them they heard a dog growling and barking they were like they're like a dog must have got loose in the emergency room what the heck's going on so the cop gets up to go in to see and he sees bill attacking one of the nurses and he swore He's like, that was a dog that was making those noises. Obviously, it wasn't a dog when he saw him, but swore. He said he swore that that was some sort of a dog when he when he heard the noises from the cafeteria. And a lot of other people have had similar uh, witness testimonies to that one. Where they yeah, just, a lot of it sounded like that. Yeah, he had just like wolf-like like the, features. That was another one too. It was like the, the, their, his face would 
contort so much and they're like the only way to describe it is that it looks like an like a an angry dog they didn't say yeah. it looks like a person who's trying to do a dog face it looks like an actual dog and i don't understand how you could do that like you need a snout i guess right maybe not my dog doesn't have much of a snout rob's trying it right now it looks terrible yeah that looks pretty good oh yeah you know what? yeah do that that is good leave that yeah just snap leave, a pic hold, that'll hold. be that'll be the thumbnail for this for this uh yeah, YouTube just video. hold that face for the rest of the uh, for the rest of the episode. Don't well, don't make that don't make that noise on this show ever again. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but there's so if you're trying to you know unpack this and look at it from a healthy skeptical standpoint, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Rob, you can stop. I release you. <laughs> Because you want to, this is this is a story about a werewolf. So we're not supposed to believe in werewolves, right? That's one of those things that's just obviously a myth. I'm sure there are people out there that do believe it. There are some people. I was going to say there's some pretty much anything. True, true. But there actually is a a psychiatric condition called clinical lycanthropy, and lycanthropy is when you believe that you're that you can morph into an animal, not necessarily a wolf, but any animal, basically a shapeshifter. And clin clinical wolfanthropy. Wolfanthropy, exactly. But that is an actual disorder that, that is, um, you know, that can be diagnosed and treated with medication. So that's one option. That seems like the obvious option, right? It's like mm -hmm. that's got to be it. But there's things that don't add up, right? Superhuman health, superhuman strength is not something that you gain from having a mental disorder. This is something that you gain from being possessed by a demon, though. Yes. So that would be that would be the other option. Was he actually possessed by a demon spirit, a demonic spirit of a wolf, as Ed Warren had it? And, you know, you look at that, you can look at that skeptically, too. The Warrens had a lot of cases where they were accused of making things up for publicity, selling books, which is exactly what they did. So that would be the other, the other skeptical angle to look at this, right? It could have been that. But... What doesn't add up for that is the fact that they did the exorcism and these things stopped. They stopped happening. So, right. You also that, had testimony from people that had seen him and were attacked by him. And, you know, it took four officers to fight him off. He had superhuman strength. They think that it, it could have been uh, there's a demon, Mammon or Mammon, who's kind of like the wolf demon, mm -hmm. which make, I don't think it's like its attributes or its history really has much to do with a wolf where it's like the, it's like the demon of like greed or whatever. It's one of the fallen angels got casted out during the rebellion of the God, you know, um, the gods against. Yeah. One of the angels against gods demons. or whatever, but yeah, he's one of them. And, uh, but he has like a wolf, like he's supposed to have a wolf like appearance. And this is why they think maybe this was the demon that had possessed him in this case. And I think if it's going to be anything, it's, it's, it's demonic possession for me because of, the superhuman strength because of the way that he's acting. And that's kind of what I understand it as. I don't really see this as it could definitely be some sort of mental um, issue, a psychological issue, but I just don't really see where he would get this superhuman strength from. And there was another case in the United States where it was like the same thing. And right after this one hit the news, basically this, uh, this woman had called up a demonologist and 
or not a deep. Well, um, he was, he did exorcisms. He wasn't a deep, I guess he was a demonologist. Anyways, she called up this guy, former New York cop and basically told him like, Hey, listen, I think my husband has the same thing. He's got a lot of the same symptoms. He's like, ah, oh, maybe he's like, well, explain it to me. She's like, well, um, it's been going on for a while. And every once in a while, like he'll wake up in the middle of the night and he'll sit up straight and he'll just start growling like a dog. And then he'll just tear up the bedroom and then he'll go back to sleep. And then he knows nothing about it. He's all pissed off when he wakes up in the morning. Like what the hell happened to our room? And it started getting worse and worse. And he's destroying the house. He's destroying the bathroom. It started happening at work. And this is when they, they seeked out the same kind of help. It was like almost an identical case. And he had woken up in the middle of the night. And this is like the one that kind of gets me where it's like, it's just, this guy's just messing around. He just saw this case on the news and he's copying, right? Copy, like almost like a copycat murderer. It's like a copycat. I'm a werewolf too kind of guy. That was my first reaction. But the, the, there was one night where he woke up and his face was contorted into like a, a wolf face or whatever. And he starts scratching at his own bedpost. And he scratched at it so much that his like fingernails were popping off and he's just yeah. bleeding. And they oh, had the physical, this was when, this is when she's like, now I have the evidence to prove to him that he did something. Cause first of all, when he wakes up, his hands are all messed up. And second of all, he had clawed like through this bedpost. It was, Thanks, it, I hate it. Yeah. Oh, it was man, awful. Awful. <laughs> yeah. So he woke up, he's like, and she's like ah, look at that. <laughs> and um, that's when they, they, they sought out help, but this one was also fixed with an exorcism and this exorcism, I'll, I'll, I'll pull up the name and I'll put it in the comments or something like that. But the, uh, this exorcism was like the fastest exorcism they've ever done. I don't know why it, I, I might be mixed up my cases, but I'm pretty sure this exorcism that they did was like five minutes. Boom. He's good. He's fixed. And that, he was just like, it was, it was just sometimes it happens like this, I guess. That sounds like this exorcism for the South end case. Cause they were just like, they did it and it was all one, one quick session. It was done. So mm-hmm. maybe you either you confuse the two cases or maybe both of them were very quick. In which right. case, maybe, maybe this 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 mamon demon is just like has a really low attention span. And sometimes this can happen during exorcisms where like it goes a lot faster than they expect it. And this means that the demon hadn't completely really set in right, mm. hadn't, hadn't completely set in, or it was just kind of like a low level uh, demon that shouldn't really be there in the first place. And during this possession, they're like, "Hey, get out!" He's like, "Okay, <laughs> <laughs> you got <Yeah>. me. <laughs> I'll go. I'll just go. Yeah. I'll, why was I here?" <laughs> Shouldn't have been here in the first place, and the, yeah, the, I mean this 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 can happen sometimes, and I think it kind of takes the exorcists and the priests by surprise. We're like, oh, oh, we're done. Oh, okay, oh, we're done. You're gonna go. He's gonna go. We're good. That's the end of it. The yeah. thing I find interesting is the time lapse because we talk about this all the time. Where like we are concerned with time, other entities are not concerned with time, right? So the first. Uh, the first episode is when he's nine years old, I believe you said. Yep, back in 1952. And in 1952. And then the next one's almost 30 years later. So he's almost 40 years old. Well, I guess like he had the stuff in his mid-20s. Yeah, but, but it was they basically weren't... just like nightmares and stuff and dreams. Right. So. so it wasn't anything too out of left field. But then when it really starts kicking back in, he's almost 40 years old. It's, you know, it's. It's a lifetime. Like, I mean, not a full lifetime, I, I guess, unless you're a pilgrim or something. Yeah. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's a 30-year gap, essentially, before we start seeing anything start happening again. So that would be partially why I would kind of lean more towards the the possession portion of it yeah, rather dem- than a mental thing. Yeah, the demonic possession is the only, the only answer that hits all the points, right? Mm-hmm. Like... Um, Mental illness is hits some of the points, right? Clinical lycanthropy that makes sense for some of the things, and then 
being a werewolf hits some of the points, but not all of them. I think we can probably assume he was not an actual werewolf. I think we can rule that one right out. He was a gigantic tool, though. I mean, all right, dude. Who, like, you drive through, you pick up this prostitute, and you're, I'm going to put her under citizen's arrest, and I'm going to bring her to the police station, you massive tool. Just leave her alone. I have a hard time believing that story. That sounds like something he said after the fact because he got caught picking up a prostitute. What were you doing with her? Oh, just bring it. I was bringing her to, but he did. But he did. He did bring her to the police station, though. I think that he probably was drinking, picked her up, was like, this is a terrible idea. One or two picked her up and then started getting the the feelings of the wolf taking over. And he's like, I got to get her to somewhere safe. Or he had mentioned she was young, too. Maybe he picked her up and then realized how young she was. And he was like, I'm just dropping her off the police station. Yeah. Maybe it was a little bit of both. I mean, he clearly was up to no good, left the bar and went straight to the red light district. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. I just I lost. I ended up, yeah, just <laughs> a, just a ended up here with all these prostitutes. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> Better arrest them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Better put them under citizen's arrest. Show yeah. how much of a good guy I am. Oh, man. What a useless thing citizen's arrest must be. I, has, I wonder if there's ever been a successful citizen's arrest. Because yeah, somebody... it wouldn't be a thing if there wasn't, right? A Dark Mysteries episode on Citizen's Arrest. <laughs> no, it's just our new YouTube channel where we go oh, place oh. people under Citizen's Arrest <laughs> and see how successful we are. I was flipping through this book to try to figure out what that other case was. I got Greg out of it. I, this might be a name change to protect yeah, identity the, situation. Uh, if the Warrens were involved, they usually change all the names. Yep. Uh, more you saying, Dave? You saw a video. Uh, to, uh, unrelated to the story, but um, I saw a video once of a guy get pulled over, and the guy who got pulled over tried to place the cop under citizen's yeah. arrest. Didn't work out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think one is, one is more trained in that situation. But the book that I was referring to here is uh, it's called Deliver Us From Evil. It's by mm-hmm. Ralph Sarchi. It's a really good one. It's a New York City cop who uh, was involved in a bunch of exorcisms. He also dealt with the Lawrence, which is why this case crossed over the one that Dave's talking about. Um Good book. I'm almost finished with it. I would highly recommend it. That's cool. Yeah. Um, we're going to create a Discord. You know what we got to do on the Discord? We've got to create a Discord channel for horror books that we recommend. Yeah, absolutely. I think mm-hmm. that's a great idea. Yeah. I like that tonight. That. Uh, cool. I also like that the cop's name was Busby, the one that thought he was going to just manhandle this werewolf. Oh, yeah. Just, just uh, you know, I forgot his chair. I forgot his chair. Yeah. Need the chair. Got to get to sit that werewolf down. Yeah. Exactly. Um, Wouldn't that be? He's, a, he's like, great. Now I'm cursed. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I definitely wasn't cursed before. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you're already cursed and you sit in a cursed chair, maybe it maybe that was what breaks the curse. I don't know. Yeah, we don't make the rules. Double negative situation the rules. there. <laughs> yeah. We don't make the rules. So back to trying to figure out what exactly this is. We're saying demonic possession probably makes the most sense. And the one that really kind of throws everything off, right? Because so another theory was they thought the cops thought he was just an alcoholic. Every time he's out drinking, he goes into an alcoholic rage and starts throwing stuff around mm-hmm. and whatnot. But thankfully we don't know anyone like that. Yeah. But that doesn't ex- explain the situation when he was nine years old. Right. And he right. Fence well, closed. how do we know? It could have been. We don't make the rules. <laughs> we don't, <laughs> we don't know. We don't know if he was toasted. Like, yeah, but absolute alcoholic nine-year-old. Alcohol yeah. does not actually give you superhuman strength. It might make you think you have superhuman strength, <laughs> but it does not actually give you real superhuman strength. 
So uh, that doesn't work. And there were there were several situations where he was not drinking and he had these episodes. This instance in the hotel room with his wife, he mm-hmm. had not been drinking at that time. So that's what he told uh, her. I've stayed at hotels with my wife. I'm like, I'm going to go get ice. I end up yeah. at the bar downstairs. I'm like, trust now. No, I'm just kidding. I've never done that ever. <laughs> Definitely not a Great Wolf Lodge. Continuing. Oh, Great Wolf Lodge. Ah, look at that. It's all adding wow. up. All it all ties up. Jesse's a werewolf. You find me shit faced at Great Wolf Lodge <laughs> yelling at the, the wolf mannequin that they have there. And I'm just like, get out of here, demon. I know the you power are. Of Christ compels you. <laughs> Reveal yourself, <laughs> Mammon. <laughs> was that the demon's name? Yeah. The bartender's like, did you just call me Mammon? What is happening right now? Yes, Mammon. Did you just sprinkle holy water on me? <laughs> anyway, um, we'd be the illest demonologists. We would. But, um, have a yeah, hard time if work. you if you want us to perform an exorcism on you, uh, email us at hometown ghoststories at gmail.com and we will do it. Absolutely. Pouring holy water shots with the tequila <laughs> and the sambuca. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> do you ever do one of those? <laughs> no. They're so Ooh, is that a thing? Oh god, those are two that's a combination I wouldn't want. Yeah, no, not good. But that's what we'll be throwing on you. Prepare <laughs> so yourself for a party. <laughs> Throw it right in your eyes. Your eyes start burning. We're like, see, demon. <laughs> I think I'm always done, gentlemen. <laughs> to the red light district. Oh, my God. My lights just turned red when I yelled that. You didn't plan that? <laughs> no, I did not. That was I just thought that was the coolest effect. <laughs> I was fucking, I might as well have pyrotechnics in my office. For those audio listeners, as I yelled to the red light district, my lights in my room just all turned red. We got to clip that for YouTube short. That, that was phenomenal. That was fantastic. That was amazing. <laughs> it makes sense though, because you have this, that's the color that if you like slam something, it turns red, right? Um, and no, it just, it just cycles through the colors. So it's, it's reacting like to the green light district. See, I have no control over that. Yeah, it didn't it listen. That's blue. It turned blue. <laughs> yeah. um, what a dark mystery. Oh, it's, man, a dark, it's a dark mystery. mystery. It's a light mystery behind me. It was a light mystery. It'd be a dark mystery if the lights shut off. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> oh man. So I go, yeah, I go, I go demonic possession for sure. And, and the, I think the, it's a legitimate case. The fact that the exorcism worked, right? Because it's easy to say, well, well, Ed and Lorraine Warren just told him, hey, play along, right? But that like this guy's been dealing with this his whole life. You can't just no, he's been, a, he's been arrested for it multiple times. Yeah, you can't just shut but it off. Warren's came in after the yeah. fact, right? Right. Yeah. Not even no, like way, in way the country. The no, they were they were in the country. They happened to be in the country at the time. That's why they were like, I think oh, they, well, they were in, well, we're they here. were in Scotland, and they. I'm saying he wasn't. Back. He wasn't from this country. Like it's not like they were interacting for years and years setting Correct. this up or anything. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. No, now they were they were in a lot England of, on the Moors case, and they were. That's when they heard about it. A lot of folks claim that like. You know, they would just hear about a case and they would immediately just show up. They were the most sought after paranormal, like, you know, she was a the most well-known clairvoyant. He was a demonologist. They were the most, they were the celebrities. They were rock stars. Still are. Obviously, they're dead now. But, like, they were so sought after in these cases that, yes, when high-profile cases occurred, yes, they would show up. 
but they would also be called to these things. The mm-hmm. Amityville, the Amityville case, they were called to. Like there, there are several high-profile cases that they were called to. I wouldn't be surprised if they were called to this case. It's either yeah. a friend of a friend is making the call, or something. But they're they're getting contacted for a lot of these big cases. I just read. I've I've powered through, I think three of the books about the Warrens. Like in the mm. last two weeks, like like I'm I'm going through a lot of it, and they're a lot more legit than a lot of people make them out to be. The debunkers, a lot of people just try to debunk for the sake of debunking, and it's 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 lazy. Yep. And well, that's I mean, everyone always tries to any any paranormal person that comes up or event that comes up, everyone tries to debunk it because nobody they either don't believe it or they don't want to believe it, and that's why everybody wants to jump onto the debunking train and obviously the two biggest people in that <laughs> Rob, the two biggest people in that industry at the time. And this was, this was peak Ed and Lorraine Warren. This was after Amityville. This was after the, uh, the haunting Enfield Connecticut. Case. Yep. This was after Enfield. This was, they were huge at this time. So it does make sense. Yeah. We haven't really talked about the Connecticut case. Connecticut. Haven't talked about the Connecticut case on this show um, too much. We talked a little bit of it when we covered The Conjuring 3, but that one um, was arguably their most controversial. A lot of people are like, oh, Amityville is their most controversial because a lot of people claimed it was a hoax. But, I mean, in the Connecticut one, we were dealing with uh, murder. Took it to, so, took it to court. Yeah. A wild one. It's a big one. We'll go over that one in the future for sure. Anything else on this one? Rob, where, where do you stand on this one? Um, well, I went over how I think it's a demonic possession already because it's just the only thing that adds up. Oh, I left one and found my book. So maybe that was one. Yeah. It was. It was. Yeah. So that's, is there anything else that you wanted to hit on with this case before we get out of here, Dave? No, I think I covered everything. Cause they were just, there were like the three, you know, possibilities of what it could be. And all of them, except for werewolf, the other one was, you know, mental or alcoholism. But um, there's too many holes in both of those, and the only one that fits all of the all of the points is demonic possession. The fence post as a kid is wild, right? Yeah, if that was so, the the thing with the only thing with that part of the story too is it happened, and then the family didn't talk about it for very many years, and it didn't get brought up again until all these outbursts started happening. And now they're talking retrospectively about an event that had happened 30, 40 years ago. And Fine, it could have been very much exaggerated. I agree with mm. that. But also like, why are you, what are you going to go to the news with that right. story? Right. What do you mean? That, like before something relevant happens as an adult, all of a sudden he's attacking people and he's like the werewolf of London or whatever. As a kid yeah. at nine years old, after this thing happens, like, like you're not going to go to the news every five years. Like remember yeah. No, yeah. but they. What I mean by they didn't talk about it is they they intentionally were like hush hush about this because everyone's gonna think our kid's weird. So yeah, I think I think most people would do that. You wouldn't. I mean, if you were like signing your kids in the school, would you be like, hey, uh, just so you know, um, my oldest son he likes brownies, and my second oldest son he once turned into a werewolf. Oh, and and my youngest son he's just you know he's really good at math. Well, if you're, let's say you have a kid who goes to school and one of the other kids rips a fence post out of the ground that's attached to a concrete hunk of whatever, and he brains your kid over the head with it. And everyone's like, what the heck? And you're like, what is this? And the parents are like, oh, actually, this happened once before. I'd be like, you you should have said something. (laughs) You have an obligation to say, hey, my kid sometimes rips chunks of concrete out of the ground with a superhuman strength and brains people with it. 
I mean, he didn't do that the first time. That's true. He tried to. Yeah, he was unsuccessful. He was. The real uh, concerning part of that story was when he started gnawing on the wire and grinding it between his teeth. Oh, yeah. Oh, also, let's not ever talk about um, fingernails popping off again. Yeah, that's tough. That was a tough one. That's like... That's like one of the things in horror movies that I like. Oh, God, I yeah. have to turn away from. It's that and eyeball stuff. I can mm. do without both of those things. Mm. You're not a big body horror guy? I mean, it's those two specific things. I mean, mm. everything else is like whatever. But Yeah, like whenever someone in the horror movies is like getting dragged away and they claw at the ground. Uh, like, even instinctively, I'm uh, never doing that. I'm yeah. never doing that because whatever this murderer is going to do to me is not worse than what i just did to myself yeah just uh i would be like trying to grab like the leg of a table or i don't know yeah not not that that's never that never that that's like oh god i'm being dragged away let me gouge my own eyes out like no like it's not gonna help so we solved this dark mystery. We all believe that it was dark mystery is solved no longer dark mystery it was solved not by us no, we it was, no, it was solved by us. It yeah, was solved we by it. us. We did yeah. it. We looked at all the evidence and yeah. we drew this conclu- this dark conclusion. Yeah. It was a dark conclusion. It was mysterious. Yeah, it was. But now it's no not, longer, not, no longer mysterious. Not once. So, good job to us. You're welcome, fans and mm. friends, listeners. Yeah. Uh, Jesse, do you want to? Yes. Do you wanna, fans and friends and listeners let me thank our patrons for vips we have genie r justin t lisa j mallory k mike b mom and pops w robert h stephen v and demon king thank you guys very much other patrons we have allison v anna c even better hometown ghost stories lily we have jake v marfire rachel b stephanie a sydney b anthony t anthony angry dave rocks t we have brandon w brandon b Captain McSlugs, Cody G, Huggy Bear, Kiri Lee J, Mark M, Matthew T, Mariah M, Papa Squatch, Sarah R, Sarah W. <laughs> she changed her name on Patreon, but I feel like I need to ask her permission to use her <laughs> Patreon name, which is Sarah Salami Nips. But we're not going to say that in, on the show until we ask your permission. Solar Flare, Soph M, and we have Hooper. Thank you guys so much for being part of Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you too can also join on patreon and i definitely won't forget to read out everyone on tuesdays like i did on tuesday but rob put their name in the credits on youtube you guys got credit and it'll never happen again you'll hear about sari salami nips every week going forward no problem (laughs) once she gives us permission to say that right we gotta ask permission before we say that anything else gentlemen that'll do it gonna do it for me Rob, you're on button clicking duty here, and we'll see you guys on Tuesday for another live episode of Hometown Ghost Stories, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Join in on the live chat. We'll see you then. Peace.